You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is clearly fighting because there's a UFC fight on this weekend. I don't know what you were talking about, but get your head out of the gutter. Mr. Geary, how are you doing, sir? I am well. I am well. It is another beautiful Friday evening in paradise. Haven't left my home today because uh, we got like 12 inches of snow here in the city where I am. Uh, It's terrible and I hate everything. So aside from that, how are you doing though? Uh, well, there is no aside from that, Bruce. Um, (laughs) I'm well, you know, I've, I've, I've been dieting recently and I'm, uh, I'm down to, uh, to almost my desired weight that I started at the beginning of the month with only dieting. Uh, and I've just been eating better. I've been doing some intermittent fasting. So I'm, uh, I'm having a good time, Bruce. Good. Well, I mean, food for thought is a show about food. It's also a show about refraining from food. So is that right? I mean, I, I don't know. I just decided or to refraining right from bad food. takes. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of bad food, you know what, before we get there, before we get there, before we get there, make okay. sure you hit all the engagement buttons. Like, subscribe, rate, review. We will try to get to as many comments as humanly possible. If you really want to get our attention, make sure you hit the super chat button and we will get to it. But make sure you press all the appropriate buttons. Now, Nate, we had initially talked about starting this show off a little differently than we're going to end up starting this show off. Because last night, I created a little bit of a stir on social media because I was having a discussion That was based around a photograph that was taken of a sandwich that I had consumed. And it was a toasted bagel sandwich. And it had ham and an egg and cheese and lettuce and tomato and Mm -hmm. mayo on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the cheese was purposefully not Mm -hmm. melted. Mm -hmm. And this kicked off an entire discussion about melted and unmelted cheese. Now, I would like to share with you my take when it comes to 
cheese on sandwiches. I'm, just, I'm gonna mute myself. Yeah, go ahead, mute, mute yourself. Yeah, that's good. So, my take when it comes to cheese on sandwiches is this: there is no specific way that it should or should not be done at all times, regardless of other factors associated with the sandwich. In fact, there are plenty of times when I specifically and purposefully do not melt my cheese because the additional texture that is granted by unmelted cheese is something that I think will end up being a net positive to the sandwich as a whole. Now, there are plenty of occasions when I do absolutely do melt the cheese on a sandwich, but not always. As a general rule that I find the busier the sandwich is from a texture differential standpoint, the more likely I am to melt the cheese. The simpler the sandwich is from a texture differential standpoint, the less likely I am to melt the cheese. And what I have discovered through this is that I am far more of a texture differential person than most. I care far more about having different textures. It's one of the reasons why I like mashed potatoes. They're fine, but I vastly prefer fried potatoes because the homogenous texture of mashed potatoes is just all one texture is just not something that really appeals to me all that much. It's, it's fine. I enjoy the taste of mashed potatoes, but the texture holds it back. So for me, I make a conscious decision as to whether or not I'm going to melt the cheese based upon the texture that I feel like will end up being the greatest benefit to the sandwich as a whole. I'll give you a great example. If the sandwich has bacon, cheese, Lettuce, mm -hmm. tomato. Okay, it's sauteed, a lot of cold things. Right? Sauteed onions, toasted bun. I'm going to melt that cheese. Wait Why? a second. Wait a second. Bruce, 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 Bruce. You can't, you can't do lettuce, tomato, and then cook the onion. You can't have the raw ingredients, the raw vegetables, and then throw a cooked vegetable in there. You That's absolutely right. can. In fact, That's sometimes right. you cook the onion inside the burger. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's that's different. Though. You literally slap the burger on the on the griddle. Uh -huh. You throw the onions on top of it. You smash it down and cook it all together, and then it goes on one side of the bun, and then your cold goes on the other side of the bun. It's like when you're frying something and you have your wet hand and your dry hand. You put your wet ingredients in one bowl and your dry ingredients in the other bowl. You keep them separate in the same way that one side of the bun carries your hot ingredients and the other side of the bun carries your cold ingredients, and sometimes those cold ingredients are going to include the cheese. Not always, but sometimes. In fact, I mentioned before that I have gone to the fridge, carved off with a knife, a big old chunk of cheese, and slapped it right on there. Cold as ice, right out of the fridge. Because I wanted the additional texture differential. In fact, sometimes I think if you melt the cheese too much, you lose a little bit of that flavor. So for me... I think that there's room for both of these things to exist. And what I was told on the interwebs today is that there is no room in people's hearts for any no of room. these things to exist. No so room. we started off the evening with what I would consider to be a very cheesy food take. And it's certainly not a Gouda take. Thanks for the... Really? It wasn't mine. It was Ryan's pun. <laughs> but you're just the long, the long pause after the Gouda ticket. It's like you were waiting for a laugh track that wasn't yeah. really there. Yeah, we need yeah, a laugh yeah. track. It's what I need to be in the studio with like a soundboard, and I'll just hit the I laugh track behind it. I do. I do not disagree. But listen, I 
Well, the the take that I think I agree most with is Jr. here, right? Which is cold sandwich, unmelted, warm or hot, automatically melted. And the only reason I say that, Bruce, is cheese is not meant to be a texture thing, in my opinion, right? And and even when it, even though it changes texture and based on its texture, can take can kind of transform the overall dish's texture. I just there's something about. <clears throat> and this goes for food or beverages as well, something between going between something that's hot and something that's cold or room temperature. Worse off is room temperature to me. And that's really what ends up happening to the cheese when you put a piece of cold cheese on a hot egg sandwich or a cold cheese on uh, a a pulled pork sandwich, right? And you want to throw a little cheese on there. You want some cheese on your pulled pork, sure. Um, and the other thing too, is I think you have to match the cheese with the types of vegetables that you're throwing on. If you are putting cooked vegetables on your sandwich, you know, if you're putting sauteed onions, peppers, you're going to want melted cheese. You don't want to have the hard cheese with the soft vegetables or the warm vegetables. It's just, I I think it's just making sure that you're staying consistent because it's, it's a thing that brings the sandwich together. It's not supposed to stand on its own in my opinion, cheese. So, um, but that's why if I, if I want a hard cheese or if I want a harder cheese, you just get parm because and fresh parm and grated Parmesan, because it doesn't actually really break down and melt, but it doesn't stay that weird room temperature. Like this is kind of weird. I'm throwing provolone on a sandwich. And by the time I eat it, it doesn't actually string out. It just gets this like weird, translucent, glossy, like, cause it's not melted, nor is it cold any longer. It's just sitting at room temperature. And that's really, the, that's really all I can say, Bruce. I just, you, you, you couldn't be more off track on this one. And you're usually a pretty reliable guy. Hey, you know what? I think that there's value in the texture of cheese. I think if there wasn't value in the texture of cheese by itself, we wouldn't put it on top of crackers and eat it combined. I think there's value but, but crackers, in that. But crackers are... Crackers are a stationary room temperature item. They don't change. You know, you're not throwing it in the toaster to take it from one texture to the next texture. Cracker is cracker. And, you know, and you and cracker, you can go with a cold, um, you know, like fruit spread with a nut and a piece of cheese. And you're not really mixing up the balance of this. But when you go and you try to like mess with the foundation and the chemistry of cheese, and when you want to get it into a place there where it's not comfortable, Bruce, which is at room temperature, you start to you, you really start to break down the fundamentals of the matrix. I think every food out there has a distinct temperature, a distinct flavor, and a distinct texture. And I think ignoring one of those three things just completely ignoring it. Just saying, we, we don't want cheese to have texture at all. We don't want cheese to have texture. It's not a texture thing. I just think you're missing out. I think you're missing out. But the problem is, is when you're trying to keep it in its form, in that texturized form, the the hardened cheese, right? Sure. Like, what? for instance, Bruce, like, what kind of cheese are you? Is it Swiss? Because I might buy Swiss because you know what? Yeah. Swiss is not well, That was Havarti. Also. That was Havarti in the picture. But I don't know that I've I am. Swiss. I've, I've ever done had sharp Havarti. cheddar. Um, I think that, um, I think Asiago works if you shred it, but for me, I like it. I like, I don't like Asiago shred it. I liked it. I like it cut in those big, like, you know, the side of the, the cheese curd has the two slits. So they end up like larger, thin slits of cheese. Like that's kind of where I am on Asiago. I think a good Stetson would work for something like this. But for me, um, for me, I really think that this is a, this is a matter of 
just we don't have the same rules for certain foods that we do for other. For example, if you you put lettuce on a hot burger, right? You put it That's on right. one side of the thing, you put it over, huh? but you don't freak out that the lettuce is going to wilt, even though the lettuce does eventually wilt if you put it on there. Just Not like the cheese if... will eventually melt if you put it on yeah, there. Yeah, but so how long are you keeping the sandwich around, Bruce? Like, exactly. What do you mean the lettuce is going to wilt the on around? it? It's the same thing. My cheese didn't melt. when I put Especially a, big a good piece of iceberg? Of, if on. I put a big slab of sharp cheddar cheese on the left side of the bun and then the burgers on the right side of the bun and I put it up and I eat it, it's not even close to being melted by the time I, I'm done. Now, maybe I'm just a fast eater, but I just don't think we have the same rules. Tomatoes, you have tomatoes are cold and they're on one side of the sandwich and you have the mayo that's cold. I know you love mayo on one side of the sandwich. You have yeah, the lettuce I, that's cold. I've never experienced mayo on my sandwich, so. All right. Well, it, moving it along. doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong there. Well, it was an awfully cheesy way to start, for sure. sure but, certainly was. Certainly was. Every year, we sit down and we kind of take a moment to kind of reflect on the season. But here on Food for Thought, we do it a little differently. Because if you know from being avid listeners of the show, it's that we attempt to describe seasons the same way that we attempt to describe games. And that is, we want a food metaphor. Now, before we get to it, Richard Rush in the comments says, Iceberg is crap. Richard Rush, my friend, Iceberg has a very valuable place. I had wedge salad last night. It was fantastic. And I want to say that Iceberg is is the perfect crisp for sandwich lettuce because there's, yeah. there's not a lot of taste there. What you're doing with the lettuce is you're bringing texture to the game. That's you're really all texture. the lettuce is there. Yeah. So you don't want to... You don't want the outside shell, uh, like romaine, maybe, but romaine you get it, it's it's real stemmy. Um, it's mm. great for Caesar, but it's not great for a sandwich. To me, a nice thick piece of uh, of iceberg lettuce where you you take off and you got it's almost like the perfect size for the sandwich. A little bit of an inside part of it, you get that real nice crisp and crunch to it. That's what it's there for. It's not there for taste, Richard. Come on. I agree. So if the 2021 season in totality was a food we've already talked about if the bills chiefs game was a food if the bills patriots game was a food if the bills jets game was a food and so on and so forth but now we have to attempt to describe the entirety of a season as if it was a food that's quite a daunting task nate it's the first time we've ever tried to do it but you said you were ready you said you brought your mm-hmm. a game tonight yeah so let's hear it yeah. if the 2021 season was a food it would be so I struggled between two things, but they're similar in their and and why they're symbolic. Um, so I'm going to name both of them. I normally I would normally do one, but I'm going to do both. And and it's Chevetta's chicken, like a like a Chevetta's chicken bake or, or 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 grill off. Like if you go, if you sometimes like uh, down in Amherst, you drive past the Tops Market down there. They've got all the big giant charcoal grills, and they're making Chevetta's. And you can drive up in line, and they give you the the to go dinner. And it's also like Salem's hot dogs or Wardinsky or whatever your favorite Buffalo. Buffalo has the best hot dogs. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I, I know people in Rochester will say the the Zweigels are really good. And I'm not here to tell you that Zweigels are bad. I'm just saying, like, I'll even include Rochester in that Western New York has some of the country's best hot dogs, right? And the thing about hot dogs is they're very seasonal. 
they're not around all year. I mean, they're they are around all year. You can go to Wegmans right now and go grab a pack of Salins and, and cook it out in your front porch in the cold, but you're not gonna do that because it's you eat it during the summertime. The same with Shabetta's chicken. It's the only time they have the cook-offs where you can or like the, the big cookouts where you can go in and drive up, pay 20 bucks and get yourself a nice fresh roll, potato salad, and Shabetta's chicken. But the problem is, Bruce, is you tend to take it for granted when it's there. You know, it's summertime, you're you're traveling, you're doing stuff, you get lost in the shuffle. And just like this season, I think at times the ups and the downs, we took it for granted a little bit because A, we were looking towards the end of the season, right? We were looking towards the playoffs. And we let it get there, right? Like we 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 let ourselves get to the end of the season and we realized that we just weren't ready to give up the Chevette's chick. We just weren't ready to have our last hot dog of the season, right? And in a game and how it ends is it sort of ends in this one day it snows and then there's no more, you know, there's no more Chevette's chicken cookouts and there's no more, you know, little uh, hot dog stands that are open that'll give you the curly fries and in, in, in the, in the seance hot dogs. So, you know, I guess what, what, what I was sort of getting out this thing is Bruce is it's around all summer and maybe you only have it a couple of times, but it's during the winter. It's during the off season that you keep wishing that you wouldn't have take, taken it for granted in the previous year throughout, throughout the season. So that's that's uh, if the 2021 season was anything, it was uh, – and I try to keep it local, you know, with the Chevettes and, and the Salins take. So cheers to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cheers to that. Well done. Very well done. Are you having an old-fashioned is the question. Yes, I am. Old-fashioned is basically the official too. drink. The official drink, mixed drink of – Food for thought, because we do have the Genesee Brewing Company as our official sponsor. But for me, the Buffalo Bills 2021 season was a plate of nachos. And I'll tell you why. When you start off a plate of nachos, the first couple nachos aren't that great. They're always that kind of perimeter pieces of nachos. And sometimes they don't have a lot of toppings on them. And you're you're kind of like searching for an entry point. It's a little bit awkward at the very beginning. You're trying to get in the swing of things. You're like, kind of like the Bills first couple games of the 2021 season. But then it gets better. And it it's right at the very end when it gets really good. You get that nucleus chip, right? That one chip that's like in the center that holds the entire piece together. And it's got tons of toppings and you grab it. And it's just a little bit soggy because it's softened up a little bit, but it's still got all that chili and the cheese and the jalapenos and whatever you've got in it. And you have it and it's wonderful. But at the very end of eating a plate of nachos, you look down, you realize that you've eaten way too much because you weren't really paying attention and you were just having such a good time that you weren't realizing how far in you went. And then all of a sudden you come crashing down. The amount of carbohydrates, the amount of sodium, the amount of grease, the jalapenos, the cheese, because we're all a little lactose intolerant, let's not lie. All of a sudden, it hits you like a ton of bricks, and you go, oh no, I feel terrible. This is awful. I don't want to ever feel this way again. And you run to the restroom. So for me, the 2021 season was specifically like a plate of nachos. You start off, it's a little awkward. You're trying to figure out your way in. You're like, gosh, these aren't as good as I remember them. At the very beginning, you're like, man, I was really excited about nachos, and they're not quite as good as I remember them. Just like the Bills kicked off the season, you go, well, that's not quite as good of a team as I thought it was going to be. But then it gets better. And yeah, you'll have some chips that are better than others. And some Indian deal chips, you'll pull a chip out, 
and the toppings will stay, but the chip will get pulled and you'll just be left with this dead tortilla chip. And you'll be like, well, that was a kind of a bummer of a chip. But overall, it's way more good than bad. And that very end is so good. And then it comes crashing down. Mm. The 2021 Buffalo Bills season was a plate of nachos. JR in the comments says, this season was like a hot chicken wing meal. You ate it with your friends and you enjoyed it and it tasted great. But the next day it had a little bit of a burn. Oh, you know what I even like even more than that, JR? It's like it's like going to your favorite uh, chicken wing place. And you know that to have the best experience with those chicken wings, you got to eat them there, right? It, because Absolutely. as soon as you put them in the, in the styrofoam, you cover it up, the steam forms inside of it, makes all the chicken wings soggy. So it's a lot like you, while you've got it, it's great. And then you bring it home. And then the last 13 seconds, it gets soggy. Oh, man. That, too soon, Nate. Too, too soon. Decon52 says, this season was movie popcorn while watching Brian's song. Great at times, save for a few burnt kernels, and I'm left with a broken heart at the end. That was fantastic, Decon. Well done. Very, very well done. Very well done. What a neat okay. show we have. I know. What a, what a great show. Now, it's always a great show. It's always been a great show. It probably always will be a great show because, let's be honest, we get to talk about two of our three favorite F-words. But there's another thing that makes it a great show, and that is the consistent quality of the guests that we have right up us. until this one. Anyways, you know, right Shoot. up until this one, I mean, we're Shoot. doing really, really good Shoot. all the way up until this one, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm really sorry that I have to bring this person in. You know what? You know what happened? The second we said that he completely ducked out. Did you see this? He just, he just split literally Dell just said, Nope, I'm done. Ladies and gentlemen from 26 shirts. One of the founders of bills mafia, Del Reed. Del, how you doing, man? What's up gentlemen. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Thanks for being part of it. Took you long enough. Took you long enough to invite me, but that's fine. It's a true pledge. Listen, I've I invited you before. (laughs) Wait, wait, Bruce. Bruce, do you did? Do we? You did. Do we tell him? Do we? Do we? Do we tell him about the text messages? I I I feel like we I feel like we should. Maybe yes. The sad, the the absolute. I my thank God actually, Dell. My phone's dead, but so I texted Dell about coming on, and I realized that the last time I texted Dell was before the uh, AFC divisional game. And I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, like you want to come on the show? We'd love to have you. Uh, we want you to make your debut. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, I just, I, I can't do it. I've got a prior obligation. Where I really appreciate it. Let's do this. And I was like, uh, I was like, no, next week I'm around. I'm like, listen, I was like, don't worry about it. You will make sure that we have you on the show that is uh, leading up to the AFC championship game. Um, like just like an overconfident, like bravado thing where I was like, don't worry, buddy. We'll, we'll have you on the AFC championship pregame show. Don't you worry. And then like, I texted him again the other day and he was like, oh no, look at our last text message. (laughs) Yeah, that sucked. We didn't, we didn't have him on for the AFC championship game. (laughs) Yeah. We absolutely did Online talking to anybody anyway at that time. No, 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 no. I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to talk to you to be honest. Yeah. Well, thanks. I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you guys are fantasy football rivals. That's what it is. And you know, I, sitting us? here, yes, absolutely. You me, guys are me fantasy and, football rivals. Me and Dell are. Yeah, you're both trying to take me down. <laughs> oh, give me. A, I'm, if you, Dell, if you hey, want to get out of here, I don't even. Yo, know. I don't blame you. I at least earned. You are my nemesis gift. 
sleeper chat out of Bruce this year. So I had yes. that going for me. I, I got that. I got ranked as a nemesis. I certainly can't be ranked as an equal, but I did. I did beat you week one, though. I did. You did. <laughs> you did. But it didn't matter, really. You did, did beat you week one. one. Yes, you absolutely did. You actually beat me by like 40 points or something week one. Like it was really. Dude, I, I mean, everybody up- by 40 points this year. I mean, everybody by 40 points. <laughs> And then Dale had one of the one of the best fantasy football seasons I've ever seen. Oh and then God. he ran into me in the playoffs and lost. He was the dream team. He he, he was, was the, the Eagles. Team. He was the number Eagles one dream seed. Team. Lost like one or two games the entire time, and then Tom Brady retired. And literally, yeah. I almost, yeah. I, almost uh, I almost jumped in sleeper the other day and started making jokes, but. Nah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I was, I Thank was, you. I'm still well, upset. I Bruce, couldn't go in there and even chat. I was still, I'm still frustrated over that loss. Listen, I, it's that's a fair thing to be frustrated about. And uh, listen, before we even talk about any more things that could possibly be frustrating, let's set the table properly. Tom Brady's retired, mm-hmm. and I don't. We this this podcast has not elevated to the place, Bruce um, or uh, or Dell where Bruce has figured out how to have good sound effects uh, or to bring in <laughs> like large quantities of cheering and yelling. Um, I, I'm 30 and Tom Brady has basically been here since I was nine, 10 years old. Um, so I can tell you that I feel a certain way about it, but like he was really dominating at, at different times in our lives for you. You were a little bit more, I don't know, kind of, like into it and like as a 10 9 to 10 year old i was into football don't get me wrong but you know i i I guess maybe i didn't quite understand the gravity of the time and the situation like i do like right now when you you know in your 20s and your late teens would have been dealing with tom brady when i was you know kind of in in my early teens yeah i uh i was making jokes on twitter and everything but like really the minute he left the division like he was out of my head like he, like mm. he was out of my head. I would have loved to, have, for the Bills to have beaten him that one last opportunity they had against the Buccaneers, you know, this year. But that was for me. Like all those players, like they, they don't care. Like the, the team, they, they, they don't, they haven't lived through the, the pain that we have for, for two decades under that guy's thumb. But um, once he uh, retired, dude, the Super Bowl last year, I enjoyed it watching his performance partly because chiefs fans were my mentions all the past two weeks before that <laughs> you know <laughs> but and so i had a real strong case of uh oh, i'm gonna mispronounce it schadenfreude whatever that is when you enjoy somebody else's mm-hmm. misfortune. bruce bruce is gonna know exactly what it's the word is. fraud yes mm, i was yeah. close I, I was pretty close for a non-german speaker so um so i i actually enjoy like i the fact that he wasn't in a patriots jersey um and the fact that I got to actually, I, I now had the opportunity to just like call out all these Patriots fans who are suddenly Bucks fans now. But uh, just being able to watch that performance that he put on last year, the Super Bowl, like I couldn't be, I couldn't be mad. And he was making Jackson Mahomes sad, so that was cool too. These are points. These are Is points Jackson still. Mahomes the new Tom Brady? Is he the? <laughs> Enemy number one. Next, <laughs> dude. Next, next up on Food for Thought is Jackson Mahomes, the TikTok dancer, oh, the next Tom Brady. Argument to be made. <laughs> you gotta hit hard hitting questions, man. Hard hitting questions. I gotta know. So, Dell, historically on this show, we've always done a 
like a schematic discussion, but in place of a schematic discussion, because there's no further schematic discussions to be had because there's no next game, we decided to go with something called a food simile. And I want to have you join us for this food simile. And what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table and we're going to talk about the food simile for the Bills coaching changes. And this is the way that this works. A food simile says that this something is like something. Right, so the Bills' coaching changes make me feel like, and then something related to food. Right, either eating a food, having a food, doing thing. So we'll have you go last so that you can get, have time to kind of can work yeah. on it. Right, but yeah. I'll go first to kind of lay the example here. So the Bills have made some coaching changes since the last time we've talked. Right, Ken Dorsey's the offensive coordinator. We have a new quarterbacks coach, which I don't think anybody really saw that coming from the Carolina Panthers because I didn't think he was really on on the schedule to be honest i was i was a little shocked also there doesn't seem to be any connection previously between him other than the carolina the pipeline other than the that. carolina pipeline which is, mind you shouldn't really be a thing anymore because they've been no. gone for so many years but this is the way it made me feel the bills coaching changes in my food simile opinion are like trying out a new restaurant that is the same as your old restaurant but a different franchise so we all know that certain franchise restaurants can vary pretty significantly. Oh, well, man, don't go to that Denny's. Go to the other Denny's. That's a good one. Right? Mm, don't, okay. don't go to that subway. That subway sucks. Go to the other subway. So even though you can have two seemingly identical restaurants, they are different from franchise to franchise. There are certain cases of this being very extreme. In my certain area of the, of the country, you'll go, okay, well, don't go to that Wendy's. That Wendy's is crap. Go to that Wendy's over there. Now, mind you, no matter where you go, Wendy's fries are still terrible as a reminder. But <laughs> it's important that we know that things vary from franchise to franchise. So for me, you say, okay, well, you're still going to have the same playbook because Ken Dorsey's not going to introduce a brand new language. It's still going to be Earhart Perkins narratively based. And I'm sure a ton of the <laughs> concepts are going to be very familiar to Josh Allen. But it'll be a little bit different. It'll be a little bit different. And the side, which is the quarterback's coach, the quarterback's coach is different. So it's the same plays with a little twist that are being executed a little differently. So for me, switching around the Buffalo Bills offensive coaching staff is just like going to a franchise restaurant that is the same as your old franchise restaurant, but under different ownership. That's what I got for my food simile. Nate, All right, Bruce. what you got? All right, Bruce. Um, so for me, this coaching staff, you know, getting – uh, Dorsey back and getting a guy in in Brady that I really wanted um, is sort of like going to McDonald's and you're in the drive-thru and you get the same miserable, boring order. Two McDoubles and a small fry. Just because it's what you know, you're depressed, you're after, it's six o'clock after work and you're eating McDonald's for dinner. How much worse could it be, right? But then you go through, they give you the food, thanks, have a great night. And you open it up and there's a Big Mac in there. <laughs> and you think to yourself, you know, I didn't think I was going to get this Big Mac. I didn't think the Bills were going to get Ken Dorsey. But, you know, I got this Big Mac. And, you know, I did. I do really love Big Macs. And I would have gotten a Big Mac had I been creative at all. But I'm depressed. It's after work and I'm eating McDonald's. How could I be happy? But then Brady is like, oh, and they also threw in a free apple pie. Because guess what? Not a lot of people were thinking about that McDonald's apple pie. Not a lot of people think <laughs> about the apple pie at McDonald's. But when you happen to get one, and you only get one on accident, 
it is a pretty great situation. So I'm that, I'm going to compare the Bills snagging Dorsey and snagging uh, my my man my man Brady the the real Brady now by the way um, as uh, getting a mistake order of a Big Mac and a McDonald's apple pie. Well, that's good fantastic. Luck, I mean, good good luck. Good luck. That's a really good one. Dell, did we give you enough time to be able to come up with a food simile here? Yeah. Okay, I'm so, ready. <clears throat> that was incredibly confident. No, it was not. It was not. <laughs> there, was not there was no confidence to be displayed there. Um, I would say it's – you're going to your favorite restaurant. And you find you find and you've been going there your whole life. You love it. Uh, really, no, you can't really you know complain about it that much. And uh, you you find out that uh, it's being sold. And you're like, oh. there's times like Nate, you're familiar with uh, with Ulrichs. Are you familiar with Ulrichs? Yes, downtown? absolutely. Okay, new management bought the place a few years back. They used to have this sandwich. It was called the Buffalo Beer Sandwich. And I know it. it. Oh, so good. New management takes it's closed for a while. Yep. New management comes in and I, you know, okay, cool. It's all Rick's. I go in there. I said, can I get a Buffalo beer sandwich? I didn't see it on the menu. Can, you know, can you, like, can you go back? Yeah, right. But you like, just, you're there. You're at all Rick's. You're like, I'm going to get the, I get the same thing, right? It's either that or like potato pancakes, right? You know, you gotta yep. get those. But like, but so I go, and they don't have it. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have been coming here for for literally like 15 years at that point. And that, you guys are closed. I used to work at Roswell right next door. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the buffalo beer sandwich. And I'm like, okay. You, you, all right. And he says, bring me back up. You know, bring, let me see the menu. What do you recommend or whatever? Order something off, something off the menu you've never heard of before. I mean, you've heard of it, but like you've heard whatever. Um, you order it and you're like, this is fantastic. This is even better than the buffalo beer sandwich. Mm. This, I mean, this, this, this analogy may work better next, you know, next, uh, next year. Next year when, when he really is better, but yeah, yeah right. But I guess that's what it is. So I've, listen, I've, on I've, the spot, that's, that's pretty darn that's good. That's pretty good, man. I gotta be honest. I did my best. I did my best. So I could tell I he's watched food for thought before. My, uh, my cousins, uh, live in Atlanta. I have a bunch <laughs> there and, uh, big, big SEC guys, you know, one's favorite team is Georgia. He's been very happy, the, you know, the past month and a half or whatever. Um, the other one is Alabama. And but they watch the SEC and they are losing their mind over the Joe Brady hire. They are so incredibly excited uh, because they watched LSU a couple years ago. They mm-hmm. saw you know what that offense did, and like I actually had to um, when that news came out, I actually had to silence the the group text we have because it was just blowing up my phone. Like everybody, they're all so excited to talk about it. I was like, all right, guys, I'm working. So. <laughs> I'm going to go based off their knowledge that, you know, this is a, an excellent hire based on your, what you said, Nate, and I've heard you talk a lot about it, tweet a lot about it. So. Yeah. Listen, yeah, so. if Joe Brady doesn't end up as the bills quarterbacks coach, he's probably ends up taking over for Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And and I also want to say there isn't anything better than a Buffalo beer sandwich. I actually ended in disappointment, but I had to make it work. This. No, but it, it worked. You, <laughs> you you really you really brought your A game, Dell, which I which I kind of figured you would anyway. So no, you're too kind. You're too kind. That's true. Well, that was that was that was absolutely fantastic. That was that was that was the first time we've ever had a guest do a food simile off, and off the cuff without off the cuff without like that, and it yeah. just that totally works. I think I think maybe that's a I think it's a thing for us, Nate. 
I think we're going to do that. Just put our guests on the spot. Make Just them put feel our really guests on the spot every yeah. single week. We'll, we'll always make sure they go last so we give them time. Sure. But we'll do a round-the-horn kind of food simile, and we'll make our way back to them and, you know, see how well they can connect the worlds of food and football on the spot because those are two of our three favorite F-words. So, true. <laughs> Dell, I got to ask. For a lot of Bills Mafia, right now is a time to turn the table. It's a lot of time to turn the page. It's a lot of time to say, okay, you know what? Deep breath. Let it out. We're on to Carolina, right? We're on to Jacksonville. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to, we're on to the next thing. And for a lot of them, the next thing is just the offseason and something to be excited. So as you're going through this and you're going through the process that everyone's going through, number one, when did you or are you going to turn the page? And then where does your mind immediately go to when the page is turned? Uh, my, I keep turning the page and then I go back and I'm like lifting the page back and I'm looking at it. Like, um, I got into a conversation with somebody yesterday and all of a sudden, like all the feelings from that, that divisional game came up and I started like, and they were playing so far off. And I said, so I don't know if I truly <laughs> turned the page. Um, but where it immediately goes is, uh, I start looking forward to free agency. I want to see what the what Bean and, and company is going to do with this roster, who they're going to retain, um, who you know who's available. You know, who, you know they, I mean, they've done a great job so far in, in terms of like on paper with with this coaching staff. Um, I'm really excited. Bean always brings it. He, I mean, and he. You know, I think the only thing that really surprised me in last year was that the, the signing of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, just because I thought Gabe Davis was going to move into that number two role. I think he moves into that number two role now. I'd say so. Uh, <laughs> Record-setting so. playoff performances is a pretty good little bullet point on the resume. But um, So I'm excited to see you know what happens in free agency and obviously the draft and everything. But I'm also not so – to be honest with you, like I'm, not, I'm never in a hurry for the season to come. Uh, I'm a big spring and summer fan. Me too, and man. So I do my best not to uh, wish days away. And to uh, look forward too much, I en- I enjoy the milestones as they come. Um, but yo, I when football season comes around, hammock season's like almost over at that point. I'm a big hammock season fan, so I oh yes, your question or not, absolutely but- the hammock. I opened the door today to one of my closets, and my hammock is hanging one in of there. your closets. How many closets yeah. do you have? Uh, nice try, FBI. Yeah. But I opened the door to one of my closets. <laughs> And I, I saw the hammock hanging there because it's detachable. Obviously, you take it off the hangers, you take it outside, and then you hang it on the frame. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, we're almost there. It's almost time. It's almost time for hammock season. So hashtag hammock season is going to be a big part of social media. Dell, I am so glad that you brought it up. But I didn't, I just want to inject myself into that discussion because you said the magic H word. So, oh yeah. man, I love my backyard. I love sitting. On my, I, I was talking to my neighbor, um, totally off topic. I was talking to my neighbor this week. I was like, I just can't wait. I'm looking forward to that first Sunday afternoon in mm. like April, maybe early May. Whatever. If there's nothing going, I have literally nothing going on, um, on the deck. You know, it, it's maybe sixty. I was literally going to say sixty-eight five, and no but, bugs. No, no bugs ball. to be seen. Yes. Not a and bug like, in sight. Maybe a slight breeze that kind of makes you, you got to leave the jeans on. You can't bust out the cargo shorts. You know, maybe you're wearing a, a, a zip up hoodie or something, <laughs> but, but uh, you crack open that cold one on a Sunday with nowhere to be. 
and you're just you're, the sun is in your face, man. Like I'm in like I, I guess I love football, but like everything in its time, everything in its time. Dude, I'm I'm with you 100%. Del, before we ask you about kind of what you got going on in the next couple of weeks and months ahead, uh, you know, with 26 shirts and everything, uh, I, I, you know, I, for me, it's less about, you know, what happened at the end of the season and what what kind of happens from here, Del. But, like, I, I keep thinking and, and looking back on this season and thinking about Josh Allen and and sort of where everyone has been with him, right? And, and I think the cool part, that I think I may be most looking forward to is how marketable um, Josh has become. And, and I thought the, the station asked to the poll today, right? Like if you were to poll people around the country, if you could point out Mookie Betts, who's the bigger star, Mookie Betts, or is it, uh, you know, is it Josh Allen? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's got to be Mookie. Mookie's one of the best baseball players. He, he just won a gold glove last year. He was an MVP candidate the year before, won a World Series last year in LA. And I'm like, I think Josh Allen's might might be a bigger star than like even like the biggest stars in baseball. Um, like I think the marketability, the popularity, the who he he's a very likable guy. Now, I mean, this isn't you know um, this isn't this isn't Aaron Rodgers. This isn't Baker. Who as as much as Baker Mayfield plays the funny guy in the commercials, he's kind of a jerk. Um, so like all in all, Dell, like we've watched a lot of quarterbacks. We've watched a lot of good football players come into the city, play football, and then kind of leave. What about this season? What about the last two games in the playoffs? I think maybe made you most excited about what the future holds. And this doesn't have to just be, well, you know, we're going to win Super Bowls, but this could be, you know, Josh is going to bring a spotlight and an energy to a city that frankly could probably use it. Josh is going to bring free agents. I think you, know, I was tweeting about with this, like, like, can you imagine like, Bean is going to be able to tell every free agent, you know what? You could be the missing piece that the Josh Allen needed to get that ring. You could be that guy. And, and you can sign with us. And you can go on Twitter and you can say, I'm the guy that's going to get Josh Allen to the Super Bowl. Or wait till after you win it and say, that, that was me. I did that. Until I joined this team, this team could not um, win the big one. And mm -hmm. that is a huge marketability. <laughs> like, if you're talking about like inside the league to start, like, it's it's going to change this franchise. Like players are going to come to be with Josh Allen and, and to get you know to. I mean Emmanuel Sanders. You think Emmanuel Sanders like signs with the team three years ago? No, I really I, I loved hearing Greg Olson like basically say, "Yeah, you know, I kind of I kind of frigged up. I should have went and go went and played with Josh Allen." Yeah, absolutely. And well, that's I guess that's his loss, right? And Dawson Knox's game, but. Um, but yeah, so to that point, I think in marketability within the NFL, Josh Allen is going to change this this team for the next five, six, seven years at least, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Um, in terms of the uh, nationally, I mean, dude, it's NFL. The NFL and and, and is, baseball was Americans' pastime. You know, football is America's lifestyle at this point, and everybody knows who Josh Allen. You watch the commercials. Oh, how cool is it? How cool is it seeing all these commercials during football games and the Bills aren't even playing? And like Josh Allen is like one of the first two players they yeah. saw. I never, I never get sick of that. I eat that up. I love it. I love seeing you know my guys on, on the uh, on the national commercials and everything. So, um, in terms of a spotlight to the city, I mean the fact that he's not just a great player who was drafted by the Bills and has to play for the Bills and is doing well for the Bills. Like this dude 
loves the Bills. He loves the city. I mean, you know how Buffalo is. If you love Buffalo, it'll love you back. I mean, oh yeah, look at look at Oshai. <laughs> you know, look at Oshai is going on, man. Um, it's just absolutely. The, just the shine that he is going to bring to this area in this region for years to come. You know, the end before even uh, you mentioned Oshai, and I, I just think it's so cool, like seeing the Chiefs fans and now like people in an effort to like, you know, show Bills fans are like, well, now in order to show you, I'm going to go donate to this charity. And it's like, I, there are so many things, there's so <laughs> much toxicity on social media, uh, amongst people, humans, and this little trend that you might think is silly or dumb, or hey, you you could you should you know be raising money for more local charities instead of raising money for Tredavious White's local charity in Louisiana. But I I look at it like this: I there are so many worse trends that you could be the the bearer of um, in today's sort of culture right and the fact that the bills and and this fan base is sort of like a part of such a unique culture wave of you know like hey i'm gonna prove my sports surprise you know (laughs) superiority by donating to your charity i think it's just a really unique unique thing to buffalo and it's the the city good neighbors right yeah absolutely and and, you know i've said this in tons of interviews like it's part of the western new york dna it just really Mm -hmm. is you know you drive around my entire, you know, I remember my entire life driving, just driving around or seeing fire halls with benefits on, you know, the, the signs out in front, like benefit this Sunday to help someone. So like we are a giving uh, community and we're, we can be tough, you know, <laughs> we're, we can be tough. And you look, look on social media, look up the Bill's Mafia hashtag or, or whatever. There's, there's a lot of vitriol and that finds its way in there sometimes. But at the end of the day, like as a community, Western New York, it has big hearts and, um, I think this is such an awesome calling card. You know, if mm-hmm. the Bills, yeah, yeah. if the Bills, I don't even want to say Bills never win a game again, but if the Bills never win a game again, like that doesn't change for that. Does I don't think that changes. It's not, this is a trend that's not being driven by the winning. It's being driven by the fans themselves and, and, and who we are. Well, Dell, first off, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you taking time out of your Friday night. Uh, before yeah. you head out, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the platforms? Tell me what's going on. In the next couple of weeks and months with 26 shirts, where can we? I mean, obviously, you're going to take a lot of my money. We know that. I have a running joke now. Every time that I see a particular shirt that makes me angry because I'm going to be spending it, I always quote tweet it and say, Daggone it, Dell, in all caps, <laughs> because he yeah, just keeps perpetually stealing my money. But um, tell me what's going on. 26 shirts, where they can find you, all the plugging stuff. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, I, I, those I, I eat those things up, so keep them coming. It's, it, it's a huge encouragement when people curse you out or, or get they're getting nasty with you. Being like, or when they send you the gif of the Futurama guy, shut up and take my money. So shut up, um, it's a huge, <laughs> it's a huge compliment. No, thank you. But um, yeah, at Del Reed on 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 Twitter, um, and then I, I've got a link tree link in my bio if you really want to find all the other places I'm, I'm hanging out. But uh, yeah, no, we're really excited. We just uh, in terms of you know plugging everything, we just had our our off season meeting as a staff today for 26 shirts. Um, it was really productive. We got a lot of things in the pipeline, a lot of stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with shirts. Um, we're really excited about it. Um, can't really speak too much about it at this point, but uh, we got it's going to be a really busy offseason for us. And I always describe us as being a 100% seat of pants operation. And I'm challenging that now by actually, we're actually planning instead of like, oh crap, uh, 4th of July is in like three weeks. We should probably do a shirt, yeah? So 
we're actually trying to plan stuff out better. So um, it's going to be a semi look, semi professional looking operation, hopefully uh, going into this off season. And uh, we just, you know, every time I have a, uh, an opportunity to say it, I always say thank you to everybody who supports 26 shirts, who believes in our mission and what we do. Um, the shirts are fun, but that's not why we exist. And so thanks to everybody who um, really makes it all possible. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of it, man. We appreciate it. Thanks brother. Yeah, we appreciate no, you. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the invite and I'm looking forward to, uh, well, who am I kidding? Tom Brady retired. I'm not beating you anytime soon anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Your reign is over, my friend. <laughs> right. Del was like, I went all in and it didn't work. And now I got to rebuild. <laughs> Yeah, wow. yeah. That, that's that's like a really sad thing that you're making very light of bruce so it's it's <laughs> fine buddy by the way yeah so but actually before you go so i the thing i was gonna say is so bruce can lord over um you know he he can lord over you for for fantasy and i'll lord over you because i won third place this year in our um in our real men wear pink uh competition and uh, and <laughs> fundraising so I'll hold this one over you, and then Bruce can hold this, uh, and he'll, and then you can just hold over the fact that you're you're just way more handsome than both of us, or at least that's what your mom says. Yeah, yeah, I get. Yeah, thanks, mom. Yeah, no, <laughs> hey, hey, if I'm gonna lose, I mean, raising money for for American Cancer Society, I'm happy to lose to that, but um, you know, maybe next year, maybe next, maybe year. next year. We'll, we'll we'll drink to that, buddy. Appreciate your family. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Take care, guys. Later, Dell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Appreciate Del Reed there. And Del Reed, of course, uh, uh, was featured on our Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. And Bruce, uh, as much as uh, we joke around with Del, Del is, you know, right up there oh, with some of the greatest people. That, human being. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. No question. No question. So we were we've got We've got I, questions to get to, though. I solicited some questions in the comments section while we were finishing up with Dell because I decided that was going to be one of my new strategies this week. So while you were talking to him, I went into the comments section. I said, hey, guys, hit us with some stuff, and we got some stuff. So, JR, first, what free agents do the Bills target? I figure we'll each take one, okay. and I'll go first. Sure. And I'll say Dante Jackson, and you knew I was going to say that. Yeah, Former probably. Panther, completely reasonable cornerback, too, will very likely be overpaid on the market due to the – not really getting the amount of corners on the open market that you probably prefer. And so for me, if there's going to be a splash, allow it to be somebody with four, three speed, which I think is desperately needed in the bills secondary. So for me, it's Dante Jackson, especially because the Carolina Panthers are in a unique situation. Normally a player like him probably wouldn't hit the market, but mm. in this case, they also have Stefan Gilmore hitting the market. So they might have to pick between the two of them. And it feels likely they might 
pick Gilmore. So for me, Dante Jackson is absolutely that guy that I would pick. Nate Geary, I have a feeling I know who you're going to say, but go ahead. You have no idea who I'm going to say. Who who do you think I'm going to say? Well, you said before you wanted Cordero Patterson. Yes, I, Cordell Patterson is a good pick for this. Uh, and I probably would, he will be on my target list, no doubt. But if I'm saying, if I'm picking one guy I'd like the Bills to get, it's the guy that they should have traded for at the trade deadline, Andrew Norwell. Um, he's going to be a guy, 30 years old. Um, this is his third contract, you know, well, his his second contract. Well, no, his third. Um, this is his third contract, rookie contract, and he signed big money in Jacksonville. I thought the Bills should have made a move for him at the trade deadline to bring him in here. I think Darrell Williams and John Feliciano both are probably post-June first cuts this year. Um, I, I I just don't think that they got the return on investment, and I think it's okay to just admit that 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 you got those wrong. Rick Bates at left guard, Andrew Norwell, Norwell right guard with Mitch Morris on an extend on an extension at center. Really loving that interior combo going into next season. One of the people in the comment section, Ryan McKenna says, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is not a free agent as far as I know. But um, uh, it's very possible he could be a trade target. And if you were to tell me that there was one receiver that I'd be willing to trade for, it would be Brandon Cooks, 100%. Brandon Cooks is perpetually the most underrated receiver in football. Just all the time. Just literally all the time. Because he plays on teams with bad quarterbacks. And oh, Andy Anderson says, Bruce really wants Rashad. It's Penny just in his normal in heart. His and it's in my heart, heart as well. Yeah, nah, I really don't. But that's it's gonna be a running, it's gonna be a running joke. <laughs> yeah, this no, like I really don't. Yeah, like <laughs> Jason Taylor says, any good free agent cornerbacks? Well, we already talked about Dante Jackson, but I have another name for you that fell flew a little bit under the way, radar, and that's Akilah Witherspoon. Um, I think that he had a surprisingly reasonable season with the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, and I think he comes a lot, a lot, a lot cheaper than a lot cheaper, like frequently cheaper, right? Than Dante Jackson. So for me, I think there's a nice under the radar sort of a, you could get him for a reasonable contract. He could come in BCB two in this defense. He has good size, still has reasonable speed. Pierre Martinez says James Bradbury will be cut. I want him. If he gets cut. Sure. I don't, I don't know if he's going to get cut. I think he might. You think? Yeah, there's been a he lot. He had a of really good that. season. I don't you think uh, Shane's gonna got, go right in there and just tear the whole thing down to the studs? He got paid a lot of money. A lot of money. And then they also paid uh Adore Adore Jackson too. Like they they've got a lot of money tied up at the cornerback position. Um I, I've also heard the same rumblings Pierre has. Uh, whether that was just probably from the same source would be my guess. Um, but yeah, if that happens, he he'd be a great target. Um, I think for the Bills in that secondary. I I would generally agree that the Bills need to find, I think, a secure long-term answer at cornerback two, James Bradbury late twenties, right? Like maybe he's even close to 30 years old. That's maybe not the long-term answer I'm looking for. Dante Jackson makes a lot of sense to me because he sort of signifies that long-term answer, the speed aspect um, that you were talking uh, about Bruce that, that, that he brings. So yeah, I think the cornerback position is one they're going to have to invest assets in, whether it's a draft, whether it's draft capital or free agency money. Yeah, I, I I think that I'm really on the bandwagon that this team needs to figure out the long-term answer. And listen, I like Levi Wallace. He's likely not the long-term answer. And if he was, he would have signed for uh, longer than one year last year. Um, and I think the Bills knew that when he went out to free agency, tested the market, didn't see what he wanted, and he came back for the price that he came back for. 
I the, the Bills knew that he was going to, best case scenario, he was going to outplay that contract and make himself some money in the offseason. And he's just been the beacon of consistency, Bruce. But he's a guy right now that Spotrac has at like $10 million plus a year. That is just not a number the Bills can have Levi Wallace making when they're paying Tredavious White, when you've got Tremaine Edmonds on a, on a fifth-year option that's $12 million, when you just paid Matt Milano, you got Star Latule, who's not going to be an easy cut candidate because he's got a lot of dead cap tied up to him as well. So with all of these things and said, you know, I, I think somewhere between the five and seven million dollar range, if there's a free agent coming in here, and I wouldn't doubt if this team does that and also brings a uh, you know a day two, a second or third round pick at the cornerback position. Oh, don't tempt me with a good time, Nate. You know this is know. this is the offseason. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, Andy says, "What's Joe saying? Get, what's Joe Shane getting at? Saying the Bills have plenty of money in free agency? What he's saying at is that there are maneuvers, there are levers that can be pulled to give them." A couple extension candidates. Nate actually outlined this. Go to his Twitter account, Nate at Nate Geary Sports, and you'll be able to see that today itself, Nate tweeted out some options for clearing cap room, some cuts and some extensions. Specifically, you extend. I know we don't want to talk about Tremaine Edmonds, but if we extend Tremaine Edmonds, that lowers cap hit, right? If you mm -hmm. extend Stephon Diggs, that lowers cap hit. You know, there's plenty of things you can do to lower cap hits of these players. Jordan Poyer is a Morse. great opportunity. Mitch Morse, I think, is one of their best uh, extension opportunities because he's a guy that you can lower that cap figure. You can go out. I'd like him long-term. He proved he can be stable, a long-term stable answer at the center position. Those those uh, concussion issues that that happened early on here, um, as as Ryan mentions here in our in our chat as well, the extension for Diggs, I think, is probably the first one. I like Mitch Morse as like that second or third guy that gets that gets that extension matching Poyer and Hyde's contracts up accordingly, I think makes sense, can create some space for you. And I think the one that no one's really started talking about is an extension for Dawson Knox. And I think the reason you want to do that, Bruce, right now is he is very clearly like a core position player for you. Uh, I think it's Diggs. I think you make the, make the argument Gabe Davis is, is, is approaching that and broaching that, but he's still got two years on a really solid rookie deal. We'll see how long they can, you know, milk that out for, but Maybe you want to re-sign, and, and when I say maybe, I think the Bills should re-sign Dawson Knox before he plays this 2022 season. 48 catches, 9 touchdowns, 500-plus yards, misses, misses a couple of games with a hand injury. The stats probably don't tell you just how valuable Dawson is to this offense. He's likely going to make in the 8, 9, 10 range right now. He throws up 12 touchdowns. He, you move on from Isaiah McKenzie and or Cole Beasley and you unlock another 15 or 20 targets for Dawson Knox and all of a sudden he's at 75 catches, 800 yards and 12 touchdowns, that seven, eight million, nine million dollar player goes 13, 14, 15 million dollar player. And now you've got a guy that you likely can't, you have to make a decision to walk away from because or franchise tag. And I think that's a position that you want to stop yourself from getting. And I think Brandon Bean has done a great job getting ahead of those. He is a core foundational skilled position player who is still very young. And I don't think we've seen a ceiling yet. And I think we knew that drafting him. I, I know Benjamin Albright, who's one of my favorite follows from the draft network, formerly the draft network and now over at the ringer, you know, did, did a piece and, and was one of basically said one of the best picks of that draft was Dawson Knox in the third round when they got him. So I think for me, Bruce, locking him up now, you can get a team-friendlier contract in place. You have a little bit more stability in building around the skilled positions. And I think if you're moving forward and your two skilled position you know, core pieces are Diggs and Knox, I I'm really liking that. And listen, Knox does things 
you're not going to be able to find another tight end off the street in free agency or in the draft that he that can walk in and do. And you know, just based on how long it took for Dawson Knox to actually grow and to actually develop into the player that I'm not sitting around waiting for two years to develop a tight end. You can draft one in the second or third round to develop behind Dawson. So you have that flexibility to let them, you know, produce, but like they're in win now. And I think with that, getting some, some future flexibility and, and certainty with Dawson Knox's cap number, I think that's a huge priority for me this off season. We have breaking news that impacts our discussion. And the breaking news is that the New York giants have let go of their defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, who is becoming the defensive coordinator with the Las Vegas Raiders broke live while we were sitting here on the show. And this affects things because I think it's very interesting that the giants let him interview. I think it's very interesting that the giants let someone who is perceived to be one of the better defensive coordinators in football interview for a lateral position. And he moved, which means there may be a rebuild of the defense. And if there's a rebuild of the defense, maybe James Bradbury does get cut. So these things trickle into each other. And live breaking right here on Food for Thought is NFL news that is salient to our discussion. But Pierre Martinez has a discussion point about Dawson Knox's. Do you think Knox can take over Beasley's role in the slot? No, is the answer. It's not what he does. It's not what he's good at. And Cole Beasley is like Liam Neeson. He has a very specific set of skills. He may be older and they may be specific to his role, but they are specific. As a side note, Liam Neeson is 69 years old and he's still making action movies, which is Mm -hmm. super nice, right? But I just want to point out that Liam Neeson is 69 years old and he's still making action movies. I was watching Hulu not too long ago with my wife and there's a recurring preview for a... Liam Neeson action movie. And even his punches look really slow in the trailer when the editing is designed to make him look faster. I'm like, yes, you know what? I don't think we talk enough about how awesome it is that Liam Neeson became an action star in his 50s. Like in his 50s, he just up and decided he was an action star one day. And I just think that's amazing. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm all about it. But no, absolutely not. Do you want to chime in on uh, Knox and Beasley's role in the slot? Yeah, no. Um, but and and listen, I, I Aaron Quinn made a good point, and and I think this narrative goes that you know Beasley's aging and he's lost a step. And although I would agree, I don't think he is the same player that he is when he walks the door. He can't be. He's taken a lot of hits. He's getting older, um, and he relies on quick twitch and 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 that quickness, and that's gonna go with age. That's just that's just the way that it is. But I want to be careful by saying like he's lost this like noticeably lost his up. He's not slow or anything like that. But I think that this offense is in need of an evolution. It needs to evolve a bit. And part of the evolution needs to be Bruce, the, the integration of yards after catch. And that is just not going to be Cole Beasley's role. That's never been his role. They tried to help in the yards after catch and they tried to on, on, on zero blitz looks, and, you know, uh, obviously, like, check with me's at the line of scrimmage and, and hot routes where you're throwing Beasley the ball with a blocker in front of him and, and asking him to get upfield. And, and that's just not his game. Um, so although I don't believe Beasley's going to be taking his jobs can be taken over by Knox, I just think they're, they, they exist in very different places on the field where that where we want them to exist. I do think that his role can be replaced by someone that can provide more yards after catch. And that's really where I see the evolution of this offense going. 
it certainly wouldn't hurt. And Knox, ironically enough, one of our better after the catch kind of people. Mm-hmm. So not filling his role in the slot, but maybe a little bit more Knox focused actually will help. Decon 52 says Leslie going to the Giants. I would very, very highly doubt that there's a change of defensive coordinator this year for the Buffalo Bills. Very, very highly. Because, if, go ahead. if the Giants asked to interview Leslie Frazier for a lateral move, would the Bills approve that interview? I don't think so. I really don't. I th- This late in the process, you'd have to have somebody else in mind who you think can do a better job right now, and I don't think they do. It's so, so far late in the process. It is late. Kind of thing. No, I'll give you that, but... I mean, Wink's still out there, um, and maybe maybe I, I've heard rumblings that I thought Wink was going to go to Vegas, uh, Las Vegas. Mm. So now that he's not going to Vegas, could Wink end up uh, in New York as the as the Giants' DC? That that's something maybe I'd look at. But I wouldn't necessarily. I'm not as convinced as you are that it would just be a no and no questions asked. See you later. Hmm. I think there'd be a. I think there'd be a discussion. Well, do we know who else the New York Giants have interviewed for their defensive coordinator position? Of course not, because they just had it open just now. They weren't even interviewing anybody else. Mm. So now their process starts. They weren't interviewing people. They didn't have a, they didn't have a job opening until a few seconds ago. No, but he was out there taking head coaching interviews. And right. you, if you're the Giants, and it's a new regime, I'm not, I'm not totally sure that they weren't interviewing people. Hold on. All right, well, while you're looking that up, while you're looking that up, Jason Taylor says Braxton Berrios, a Cole Beasley replacement. Possibly, but I think that the amount of money that you're going to save, because I think Berrios will get five, six million dollars a year as a slot receiver right now. I think Jameson Crowder will as well. And you cut Cole Beasley, you save roughly that amount. I, I don't think it's a net positive from a financial standpoint. It's a net positive from a speed standpoint. And so if you're trying to get a slot receiver who can give you better yards after catch, then you do go from Cole Beasley to Braxton Berrios. But mm-hmm. Brandon Bean has openly said he expects Cole Beasley back. That means that doesn't me, sound like someone who's going to just cut him. Usually it says, hey, we'll have discussions about that, see where he wants to go, see what he wants to do. Obviously, it's a business. You can't keep everybody. He'd give you that canned answer. The fact that he said, I expect him back means if Cole Beasley doesn't retire, I would expect him to be here. That's personally the way it would. Having said that, I am interested in Braxton Berrios for sure. Yes, absolutely. Especially because, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bills kind of still need a return man. They do. So I would absolutely, absolutely do that. Decon 52 says, how much do you see Diggs getting? Uh, $22 million a year. I might say that maybe he goes with 20 um, and takes 20 with the idea that he's going to give the bills a little bit of uh, you know, like a hometown discount, a little bit of extra wiggle room for them at avoidable year, make his contract very team friendly and workable. But yeah, I mean, he's, it's going to be 20 plus. Yeah. And he's, by the way, he's earned it. Uh, I mean, that's unequivocal. He has a gigantic check. How short are memories on top five money? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And people after the chiefs game, they're like, Oh, look at the stat line with chiefs game. No, look at the film from the chiefs game. They were being bracketed all the time. Gabe Davis was running open in the secondary because the Chiefs were like, we are not going to get beat by Stephon Diggs. And he was like, okay, fine. We'll we'll beat you with Gabe Davis instead. So, yes, I'm absolutely down for that. I'm absolutely down for that. And also, is there a player who has been traded to this team who has embraced Buffalo more than Stephon Diggs? The dude just jumped through a table 
in the skills competition to catch a ball. He's been Josh Allen's biggest fan. He's been nothing but a great captain since he's been here. He's been a captain. He's played nicked up. He hasn't said a peep about his contract, which was probably underpaid when he got here. Sign the man a gigantic check. Just write him a gigantic check. Stop screwing around with it. This offseason is time to give Stephon Diggs. Pay that man his money. All right, Nate, winners and losers from this week in the NFL, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Now, are you ready for this? I'm going to say something yes. that I've probably never said on this podcast. But when it comes to winners this week, I am going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. I actually don't mind at all the McDaniels GM pairing that they get that they got. And I think Patrick Graham is a wonderful fit as a defensive coordinator there. I think that I would be optimistic if I was a Raiders fan. I think Josh McDaniels has been humbled. I think he sounds very, very different than he did when he took the Broncos coaching job all those years ago. And I think that there's a lot of growing up that he had to do and he did it. And I think there's a very reasonable chance that he looks at that situation as a situation that can be turned around pretty quick because the Raiders weren't bad this year. The Raiders were in a play in game for yeah. the playoffs, you know, that, that they were right there at the end and they did what they had to do to make the playoffs. So for me, I'm looking at the Raiders and going this, this could be completely fine. If he can utilize Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, that can be an offense that can succeed with Derek Carr. And Patrick Graham is a really good defensive coordinator. And they've got some pieces like Max Crosby on the defensive side of the ball in Las Vegas. So for me, I think it's the Raiders. Nate, what you got? You know, listen, I know part part of my biggest loser is going to be a lot of the turmoil that we've 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 seen from the league in the last couple of days, but I do really think the Giants end up being a big winner here. Uh, listen, I think Joe Shane was a home run hire at the general manager position. I think Brian Dable, uh, however it ended up happening, Brian was the right guy for that job. It, it's smart. Listen, they're they're going the Buffalo route, right? They want they want to sync up an a, a, a coach with the general manager so that there is one message that can constantly be driven down. I, I loved what I heard from Dable. I think Dable's ready for this opportunity. Um, so, I, I mean, good on the Giants. I thought they, they had a really good cycle. I thought they got the best general manager in the cycle, um, and, I, and I really like Dable and his future outlook um, there as the Giants head coach and and, and maybe seeing what we can see from uh, from Daniel Jones. Are you still a Daniel Jones believer, just out of curiosity? No. I was never a Daniel Jones uh, believer, but – I believe he's probably he'll probably have his best year. The problem is he can't stay healthy. That's his big problem to me. You don't think it's like, you know, the historic level of turnovers over the course of his career? Um That's up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, All right, that's biggest, a factor. Biggest loser from the NFL this week. Nate, do you want to take it or do you want yeah, me to take yeah. it? Yeah, listen, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good options here. You know, is it Stephen Ross? Is it uh is it John Mara, the the owner of um the New York Giants? Is it Bill Belichick? It's not Bill Belichick. Do you want to know why? Because I made fun of Bill Belichick, Bruce. I said, Oh man, old guy texting the wrong guy. What a classic idiot mistake. I did it the next day. To Jeremy White. Wow. I sent Jeremy White the wrong James number. That's a 69-year-old man. 
I'm 30. I'm a man. I'm 30. And I'm a I, man. And, and, and I, one day after being on air, making fun of Bill Belichick for sending the wrong person a text message, I went ahead and Belichicked it. So I'm going to say that this week I'm one of the big losers. But listen, the biggest loser will always be Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington now Commanders. And good for them. The Commanders is whatever. It's not a name that's really motivating me or inspiring me or anything. But this whole thing where the league is investigating him and he's going to get to veto whether or not that investigation is released to the public. Uh that to me is one of the most asinine, ignorant, spit in the face of like intelligent people things I have ever seen in my life. So for me, biggest loser is Dan Snyder and the NFL. If they really go through a full probe and they don't release the findings of that probe because it's an owner and, and considering what they what, what the league put us through for bounty gate, what they put us through for for footballs and 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 you you had the the former um you know special counsel come in and 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 figure out whether or not the patriots deflated footballs but you're not going to release a report on literally hundreds of sexual incredible like, sexual assault allegations against the owner of a football team and you're not going to release that report ryan says it it's gross and it's just it's it just spits in the face of common sense um and and i'm i'm just it's it's, it would be a really bad black eye for the NFL and it would set a terrible precedent. I don't know how I can top that as the biggest loser. So I'm going to try to bring it in with a little bit of levity to close out the show with my biggest loser. And my biggest loser is anyone who didn't play to the whistle against Trevor Penning in the senior bowl this week. Yeah. So what is it about Northern Iowa football players that just have intrinsically large amounts of nasty to them? Trevor Penning is an offensive tackle at the University of Northern Iowa. And at the Senior Bowl, he made some waves for playing a little bit beyond the whistle. Now, I will say that it has been established before, specifically with Ali Marpet, who was a previous small schooler who showed up at the Senior Bowl, that Ali Marpet's agent actually told him, hey, be a little dirty, play through the whistle, try and get in a fight if you could. I want you to get noticed, and I want them to know that they can't they can't push you around. I want you to know, I want you to do that. I want you to go out of your way to do that. And he did. And guess what? It got him noticed. At the end of the senior bowl week, they were talking about the biggest winners for that week, and Ali Marpet was on everyone's list. Trevor Penning is on everyone's list now because he showed up. He drew eyes to himself. Yep. Through some, let's go, aggressive play on the offensive line. So the biggest loser is anyone who shows up in those little clips on the ground because they didn't realize, they're like, Trevor, I thought this was practice. I thought this was practice. Why are you going so hard? Everybody has that one teammate who just doesn't quite understand the assignment, right? And they just go a little bit too hard in a scrimmage and go a little bit too hard to pick up basketball. You know, they're diving on the floor, right? They're they're taking they're taking charges and pick up basketball at the rec center, right? They're one of those guys. Trevor Penning's one of those guys. And so the biggest loser is anybody who had to go up against him and didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. Ladies fact. and gentlemen, we did it. We did it. We did the thing. The thing has been done. The title of this episode was Recapitulation Mastication, specifically because we were going to chew on it a little bit. We were going to chew a little bit on the Buffalo Bills 2021 season and what 
we have been seeing from the Bills so far this offseason. Thank you so much. For my co-host, Nate Geary, I am Bruce Nolan. We hope you had a good time. We hope you're stuffed. And we hope you didn't leave hungry.